0: Morning, morning. hey! Welcome to Sierra Bible Church. You guys look pretty good for a nice gray Sunday. Good to see you. Hey, my name is Jesse. If we haven't had a chance to meet, whether you're new here or you're checking things out uh, online, want to welcome you. Uh, Just let you know we're thankful that you're here. Thankful for all of you that call Sierra Bible Church home. Really thankful for your generosity and the way that you serve and help us to continue to build the kingdom in our church and in this area here in the Lake Tahoe Basin. Uh, A couple things I want to make you aware of. Obviously. Uh, up front. If you are looking to get a little bit more plugged in, uh, when I say that there's a lot going on at our church, that's an understatement. There is a a tremendous amount of different things that you can partake in, different things you can serve in, different things that uh, you can grow in, and and all of that. So we launched an app several months back that is uh, available on uh, your mobile device, whatever you use. So please download that. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter, put notifications on there so you can get alerted to all the good things uh, that are going down. We do have the Glory Boys coming. So, if you haven't had an opportunity to check these guys out, they put on a tremendous show. Uh, and this is basically just a free will offering to give a free gift to them. You can uh, buy tickets online or at the door, and it's pay what you desire. So, um, it, it helps pay for their trip. Anything above and beyond uh, is to bless them. And then, um, obviously, we have Trunk or Treat coming up, and uh, we still need a little bit more candy for that. Still need some volunteers, and we thought it would be helpful. Uh, to go ahead and show you what Trunk or Treat looks like. So if you would, pay attention to the screen here. We're going to show you, I think this was the very first year uh, we put it on, and it's grown since this video. So go ahead and check this out. Let our praises remind all the darkness Of how great and how mighty our God is For the battle belongs to the Lord And no. Oh We are standing in holy defiance, we're declaring The struggles, the trials, the shadows, the sorrows, the long nights, the hard fight. We are the prophets, the voices in the darkness, declaring the So this is a big event for us every year, and um, it is tremendously a blessing to the community. So if you're willing to help out, we'd love to have your help. Still could use a few more cars for decoration, people to tear down, set up, carnival games, all of that. Uh, this is just one of those ways, you know, it's it's important for us, and you'll see uh, even this morning in the message, we want to go deep in the Lord, but we want this community to be better because of our involvement in it. And this is one of those areas that parents tell us every year, Christian or not, they're thankful for a place to come where their kids feel safe. Uh, and we put on a really good event. Uh, in fact, I, when Allie and I first moved back to Truckee, we were a little disappointed that some of the, the events that were in Truckee weren't very, very done very well. That's changed over the years uh, to some degree um, as we've gotten bigger. But this is one of those events that's a high-quality event and blesses the community and gets the word out that we care about our community. So if you haven't uh, been able to sign up, please do so online or on the app and uh, dive in. It's worth it. And if you want to bring some candy, that's always good, too. Um, and then, uh, lastly, or, or actually, two couple things I want to mention. One is, hey, this is this is a, a tremendous night out we're providing for you as a church to raise some funds for our youth budget. Uh, this is a um, Souza, uh, Hanalei Sousa is going to be cooking for this. She's cooking prime rib. She is a a chef de la chef. I don't know if that's a thing. Joe, you used to do. What's 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 a good chef called? What's a chef? <laughs> A good chef is called a chef. That's good to know. That's okay. So at any rate, $50 is the minimum donation. Uh, you can go above and beyond if you want. That's per plate. $5 per kid. If you want to sponsor someone, let me know. Uh, we'll make those available. But again, this we know it's it's a pricey deal, but it's nice prime rib. You're going to get some good food, and you're going to support our youth ministry, which does quite a bit here at the church as well. So please sign up for that. There's only 100 spots. Uh, last I checked... Um, about a quarter of those were already about taken up, and so don't wait till the last minute. Make sure you sign up and, and get a, a plate for you and your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or, or hey, maybe you're looking for a date. Here you go, here's the time to, to ask for a date, or if you're really, really lonely, you can bring your friend, that's okay too. We won't judge you, okay? Uh, and then last one, turkey shoot this year, sign up for that at the info booth. We're gonna go practice our freedom uh, as, as true American citizens and shoot some targets and win some turkeys. And so if you want to sign up for that, this is a great event. We do every year, and somebody's really excited to go shoot you. Um, and we're just offsetting the cost a little bit because I don't know if you know this or not, but you have to mortgage your house to buy ammunition at this point in time. So that'll help offset some of that. All right, you guys ready to get in the Word? Um, if you don't have a Bible this morning, just raise your hand. One of the guys will hand you a Bible. Just keep it up. Uh, if, you, um, if, uh, if you do have your Bible already at, that, at this point, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you where we're, what we're going to do this morning uh, and where we're going over the next several months and what 2022 will look like. I know it's kind of crazy to think we're already looking at 2022. Isn't that pretty neat? We're already talking about Christmas. How many of you have bought your Christmas gifts already? You need to because apparently they're, they're, at the, uh, they're in these like, storage containers in the ocean off of L.A. and San Francisco. So you better order them now so you can get them on time. The, um, here's what we're doing. If you have been part of Seer Bible Church over the last five years, the rhythm in which I uh, appreciate teaching through the Bible typically looks like this. We typically go into an Old Testament book, and we walk through that Old Testament book, and then we'll do some topical sermons, which even though I call them topical sermons, I still can't help but launch out of a passage of Scripture. And then we go into the New Testament, topical Old Testament Uh, New Testament topical, and we just kind of weave in and out. So we just finished Colossians in the New Testament. Uh, We're going to do a a few topical messages for the rest of this month, and then we'll start our Advent series, which is a a four-week series in which we prepare our hearts in the Christian calendar for the coming of the Messiah as the incarnate God born in a manger unto us that child is given. And it is just crazy to think Christmas is right around the corner, so We'll be doing our Christmas series uh, starting at the end of November. Uh, We'll have our Christmas Eve services, which we typically have uh, two of those candlelight services on Christmas Eve. Uh, And then in January, we're going to get into the book of Haggai. We'll be in that for a few weeks, about a month or so. And then the rest of 2022, will be in the book of Mark. So we're going to be in the gospel of Mark. Uh, In the bookstore, will be some of those ESV journals for you. Uh, And so look out for those as well, some other books and materials uh, for Christmas time. So we do... Every year we try to stock the bookstore uh, during Christmas with Advent books so you can, you know, kind of walk with your family if you want to uh, through the series of Advent and through Christmas, and it's just a good traditional thing to do. We do it with our kids, and so we provide some material for you in that. And just so you know, the bookstore is all books for cost. We don't uh, make money on those books. We just buy them. We sell them for what we we bought them for because we want to make sure we get good resources in your hands, and so make sure you check some things out there too, okay? Uh, So... The next two weeks, what I have planned for us, um, this message will be out of Ephesians. The next message will be out of Philippians chapter one, and really, what I wanted to do in these next two weeks, to a certain degree, is piggyback off of Colossians. In that, there's in Colossians, there's kind of two things that are mentioned uh, pretty frequently in that book. One is um, one is the sufficiency of Christ. So, if you remember. As we studied that book, we talked about how the gospel is as simple as the gospel can be, that Jesus is sufficient for our salvation alone. And so Paul is just, all this Christology, Jesus is sufficient. Then he gets into the pragmatics of it in the later part of Colossians. But in there, a few different times, he prays. And in a couple different places, you'll find Paul's prayers. And if you remember, we're moving from from sufficiency of Christ to pragmatism, and pragmatism, in this regard, prayer. So basically, the, the next two weeks, uh, I just want to kind of talk about what does it look like to be in conversations with God? What does it look like to be someone who uh, prays to God? W- and why is that so important? So my three points this morning are the object of our prayer, the posture of our prayer, and the center or the goal of our prayer. So let me repeat that again if you're a note-taker. The object of our prayer, the posture of our prayer, and the center or the goal of our prayer. Um, Let's read. I'll give you a little bit of Ephesians background, and then we'll, we'll uh, break this apart. Would you stand with me if you're able to this morning as we honor from Ephesians chapter 3? <clears throat> I want to start in verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And Lord, we do say amen to your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Please be seated. Um, so this is a prayer. And in order to understand the prayer, obviously, because he, he does say in verse 14, for this reason, we got to kind of go back a little bit. He's okay, for this reason... Why is Paul praying? Next week we'll talk about the joys of Paul's prayer out of Philippians, but this week it will be this idea of the power of prayer uh, and that we do have great power in prayer. So let's let's go back and just understand why in the world did Paul write the book of Ephesians? Now, for me personally, the book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. Specifically, chapter one and chapter two are just a mind are mind blowing chapters for me. They've been an amazing source of healing for me, an amazing source of comfort and hope and strength. Uh, and, and the issue with topical sermons is one of the reasons why I don't preach topical sermons is I, I typically just want to go right to all of those areas that I want to preach, right? And so if I had my way this morning without prayer and intercession and asking God what he would have me teach, I would just preach uh, Ephesians chapter one and chapter two. And we would just be in there for the next couple weeks because they're that powerful. But but the reason they're powerful is because Paul is basically writing to the this Ephesian church in Ephesus, and they're living kind of like second class Christians, if you will. They're they're living kind of like beggars. Uh, if you will, they're they're not being empowered to live the faith that God has called them to live. They're they're kind of a little weak and, and a little flippant, a little bit pushover y, if you will. And so Paul, what he does is he says, Okay, you need to understand the wealth in the riches that you have in Jesus Christ. Some people would call Ephesians the believer's bank account or the believer's savings account. Let's, let's have fun with this just for a little bit. If if I were to pull open your bank account for your savings account, how's that looking? I like how quiet it is, right? Because if it's a lot, you don't want to say anything. <laughs> And if it's nothing, you definitely don't want to say anything, right? When you go to draw on that money, what's there for you? One of the things that um, we go through with premarital counseling when we do marriage and stuff like that is we talk about how important it is to be on the same page financially. And one of the first things Allie and I were able to do when we moved here was take uh, Dave Ramsey's class on, um, on, uh, on getting out of debt and handling money well. And it's been a tremendous blessing for us. But this is, it's, it's just easy to make your life complicated, isn't it? Um, uh, This is a true story. When my wife told me that she wanted to get married, which um, was a surprise to me because she was in Mexico and we were broken up, right? So she comes back from Mexico on a mission trip. She says, we're supposed to get married. Where's my ring? And I thought, there's no ring, right? And there wasn't. So I went down in San Diego to this place called Robin's Brothers. How many of you are familiar with Robin's Brothers? It used to be on the radio show all the time, like the Diamond Vault in uh, Reno. You know the Diamond Vault in Reno? There they used to be Christians who owned that. They have sold it, and it's probably non-believers now, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, do you know if they're Christians or not, Wayne? Yeah. The, the new guys are? Oh, okay. No, 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 they moved. Yeah, old guys saved, new guys we don't know. Pray for them. So I went down to Robbins Brothers, and, um, and I had had several credit cards, and in order to purchase the ring, I swiped all of them to 100% max because my baby deserves the best. And uh, and so we got married, and in the first year of marriage, I had to explain to her how much we owed on her ring, and that we needed to pay this off sooner than later. And so I took a second job to work with my dad for a little bit and paid it off, and and it was good. And And I don't know what your savings account looks like, but Paul's attempt in regards to the kind of savings you have, the kind of riches you have, the kind of inheritance you have in Christ— are rich and deep and nuanced. And part of what Paul is praying is that you would understand and know these riches that you have in Christ. The few things he mentions just in Ephesians alone is that you're adopted, that you're accepted, that you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're given wisdom, you're given an inheritance, you're given the seal of the Holy Spirit, you're given life, grace, and citizenship. And so all of these things are who we are in Christ. And the church as a whole, the global church, as well as the believer, you as an individual, you need to be aware of two major things as a believer. The first one is you have to be reminded of who you are in Christ. This is identity-shifting kind of stuff, right? Because the culture the culture is constantly telling you that your identity is very much identified by the outer man. But Jesus would say that your true identity is about the inner man. And as we pray, that's what we're talking about is strengthening the inner man. Not that we would look great on the outside, but that we would be filled with Christ on the inside, and what Paul mentions is this incredible access that we have, incredible gifting we have, and incredible power we have in access to Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you have tremendous power. So this Ephesian church is kind of weak, it's kind of feeble, it's getting knocked around by the culture, it's having a hard time in their their belief system. They're trying to figure out this thing of church. They're trying to live in the first century church. They're trying to figure out life. And Paul doesn't list a whole bunch of things in Ephesians in regards, okay, listen, your life is a mess. Let's talk about all the different things you need to be doing in order to fix your life. That's not what he does. Instead, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, again, I told you, it's one of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. This is his prayer for the weak and feeble, depressed, downtrodden, beat-up church, whatever it is that you may be going through, whatever it is that you're wrestling through, whatever your problem is this morning, and let's be real, some of y'all brought some problems this morning. And so this is his prayer, that he prays this, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know that is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He says, you know what, church? What you need, the balm to your soul, is the eyes of your heart, that is the spiritual mind, to become alive to the riches and the goodness and the access you have to God. In this book alone, riches is used five times, grace is used 14 times, glory eight times, fullness filled up or fills up six times, and the key phrase that is mentioned 15 times in this book is the claim that we are in Christ. We're hidden in Christ. So when you are reaching for your your monetary bank account, you know you have a limited amount of funds, right? Dave Ramsey says... If you spend money here, that means you're not going to be able to spend money over here. Well, here's the good news with Jesus. When you access the things of Christ here, you get the fullness of that, and you get the access of this. There's no trading one for the other. You get all of the riches that are in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that's being held back to you, from you. And the purpose of this is, he's saying, look at the two key verses here that are important. I read them in the beginning. He says, I I'm praying this, and I'm asking you not to lose heart, so don't lose heart, but then look at verse 18, that you may have strength, that you may have strength and that you won't lose heart. Paul's saying, listen, you need to be a person of prayer so you don't lose heart and so that you are strengthened with power. Why is it that some believers seem to get more out of Christianity than others? Why do you think some Christians seem to be more invigorated than other Christians? Now, imagine you came into the pastoral offices here, and you came in for counseling, and you said, Pastor Jesse, I'm depressed, and I'm down, and I'm beat up, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm all these different things, and I have all these issues, and I have all this struggle. What must I do, right? And this this is the question, like, all the disciples are asking. This is the question anybody asks during counseling, how can I get better? Just tell me what to do. Or as they would access to Jesus and say, Jesus, tell me what must I do to be saved, Do you you hear the verbiage in there? Jesus, tell me what must I do to be saved? It's this tricky question because the reality of the gospel is you absolutely do nothing. So when you come to the office and you say, give me something to do, the right response from the pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the right response from the Christian is your eyes need to be illuminated to the truth and the promise and the inheritance that you have in Jesus Christ. Are you aware of how much access you have to God? Do you know how much access you have to God? All access to God. That's what Jesus did. He rended the veil. This is what makes Christianity unique out of any other religion, is the kind of access we have to a holy, righteous God who still, instead of burning us with his holiness, sees us blanketed in the righteousness of Jesus and accepts us as brothers and sisters, as children, according to God. So this is Paul's, he says, okay, the object of your prayer. Who's the object of your prayer? He says, I pray before God the Father. So this is point number one. If you're going to pray, you have to have a holistic view of God as Father. And this is hard because all of us have had dads. Some of us, some good dads. Some of us, so-so dads. And some of us, really bad dads. And so we have a tendency at times to take you know, our background of fatherhood and package that into a relationship with God. And then we wonder, how can God be a good father? And you just have to kind of, you know, blow up the earthly kind of view of what it is for, for, for your earthly father and understand that the heavenly father is so much better than any earthly father. And there's two tensions that you have to carry uh, when you are coming into prayer before God the Father as your object, okay? And they're, they're real similar for me as a father. So I'm a father of four children, and there's always this, this teeter-totter that I need my kids to kind of balance between. Do you know this teeter totter as a dad? Uh, Hopefully, you do. One side of that teeter totter is my children need to have a healthy reality of the wrath of dad. Now, I don't mean the kind of fear like I'm scared of my dad, but the kind of when they understand that, that when the moment needs seriousness, we will be serious, and you will respect and honor your father, and you will respect and honor your mother. You need to have a healthy dose that if you don't do these things, there's going to be certain kinds of consequences. So, so for instance, my kids got a couple hours of tablet time every week. Recently, they, uh, a few weeks ago, they, they weren't behaving. So, we have removed all tablet features for at least a month, In the home is a completely different place, by the way. No access to those things. Those are privileges. Those aren't, those aren't your rights, right and every every time i'm sitting down at the dinner table with my kids we're going over sit down eat your food have good conversation right don't get out of your seat don't do those things because if they can't do it at home i know they can't do it in public and so so they're not going to eat in public until they can figure it out at home right the healthy respect of dad and the father that's one side But the other side of that teeter-totter is that my parents also know that any given moment they can climb in daddy's lap. They know there's wrath and discipline. They know that there's structure. They know that there needs to be, you know, laws, if you will. But at the same time, all four of my kids love to climb in daddy's lap. And I love to cuddle with my kids. And they know that at any time they can climb into their dad's lap and receive grace and receive kindness and receive forgiveness and receive reconciliation. Jesus would say it this way in Matthew chapter seven. He would say, he would say this in regards to praying before God the Father: Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks will be opened. Or, and now he makes the contrast, right? Remember I I said some of you had earthly fathers, and they weren't great examples, but you have God the Father, and he gives us this kind of earthly and heavenly contrast. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? Jesus kind of lays out this and this idea of praying before God the Father that when you pray before God the Father, his heart is set towards you, his face is set towards you, his ears are tune with you, and he desires for you to climb into his lap and speak with him. You know, John chapter uh, 8, not get into all of the nuance of it, but Jesus literally says that everyone has a spiritual father and either that spiritual father is Adam which comes from Satan or that spiritual father is God who is born through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the invitation from from Paul here is, he says, okay, the object of our prayer is God the Father. We need to be able to go to God and speak with him in such a way that we understand that he's a loving father who's going to give us love when we need it, encouragement when we need it, and discipline when we need it. That's the idea behind fatherhood. Sometimes you're going to go to the Lord in prayer and God's going to convict you of sin. And that's one of the most gracious, loving, kind things that God can do is to call you out of darkness and into light. Amen? Because that's where healing is found. Right, And there's never, ever anything that should keep you from coming before God the Father and confessing your weaknesses or your shame or your guilt because he never is going to do this to you. He's never going to turn his back. His face is always set towards his children. No matter how much you're screwing up, guys, No matter how much you're going through, his face is set towards you. And and if you're that child of God, he receives you as the child of God in the midst of even the stupidest things that you've ever done. And we've all done some dumb things, right? Am I the only one? I'll just put myself out there. I've done and continue to do some really stupid stuff. Hopefully less stupid today than it was 10 years ago. But nonetheless, I'm in desperate need of God's forgiveness in my relationship with him and my relationship with others. So this is Paul's first point. You need to be able to approach God the Father as just that, your father, your authority figure. But then what's the posture? Verse 14, I bow. His posture in prayer is to bow. Now that doesn't mean, just so you know, this isn't a, um, a verse that's saying in order to pray, you you have to bow, because we know in other places, whether it's Abraham standing or David who sat before the Lord when we're building the temple, or Jesus when he lay down on his face. It's not speaking of the, 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 the physical attribute of how you're praying. It's actually speaking of the posture of your heart when you pray. Right? When when my my children